Hello and welcome. My name is Jason and I serve here at Fountain Springs Church and we are so glad that you are with us today. And to all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Today we celebrate you. Uh, not only do you bring life into this world, uh, but you make life better in this world. And so we celebrate you today and we thank you for joining us. Well, hey, we've been in this series called Made for This, where we are exploring six essentials that we need to make the most of this time and of course, our lives. And today what we're gonna talk about are relationships. Now it's interesting uh, and fascinating to me that people of all times, in all cultures, uh, in all backgrounds of personalities and eras, all form societies and that we form communities. And we often do this for protection and survival, uh, but over time what we've learned is people also connect over a lot of other things, such as interests, like maybe you're in a motorcycle club, or causes, maybe you're an animal lover, or even by proximity, like where you work or go to school or where you live. No doubt about it, there's something deep within you and I that belongs to connect with one another. And it reminds me uh, growing up as an 80s kid. And if you uh, showed up to the first day of school with one of these, a lunchbox, uh, you were off to a great start because your lunchbox said a lot about you. The lunchbox said, this is important to me. And not only that, but it helped you make friends with other kids. So if I showed up on the first day of school with my lunchbox and you saw that G.I. Joe lunchbox, you could be like, you like G.I. Joe? I like G.I. Joe too. And that might be the beginning of a friendship. We formed a connection. And then we can eat our sandwiches and, and our treats and, and go along our merry way. Now, uh, I don't know what kind of lunchbox you had, but if you are watching online today, write in the chat what would be on your lunchbox growing up. What were the things that you were interested in? Uh, I still love me some G.I. Joe, and this is a great way uh, to make friends when you were an 80s kid for sure. Um, it reminds me of a, of a quote from C.S. Lewis that goes like this. Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what, you two? I thought I was the only one. And that's so interesting. See, you and I, we long to connect. We long to belong. And even as little kids, we find things in order to uh, connect with one another. So here's the deal. Where does this connection come from? How, why is this longing to belong so deep within us? Well, to explore this, we're going to go to our origin stories found in the scriptures. In the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, in the very first chapter, uh, we read that God created everything. And the pattern goes like this. God created and said it was good. God created and said it was good. And God created and said it was good. And then he gets to the pinnacle of his creation, you and I. And this is what he has to say. From Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now there's some powerful stuff in this verse right here. Uh, not only are you and I uh, the, the pinnacle of God's creation, but he obviously created us for dominion but there's something else going on in here. God is teaching us something. First thing he's telling us is that you and I are created in the image of God. This is often called uh, the Imago Dei. 
Just, it's just the idea that within each of us is the fingerprint of God. And there's a lot that we could unpack, but today we're gonna kind of focus on two things. And the first thing I wanna do is look at some words in this verse. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Now, think about this. What is, who is God talking to when God says, God, us, and our? That is a we conversation that God is having. God has yet to create us at this moment, so who is he talking to? Who is created in his image? Well, here's what we know. First of all, this term for God right here is the Hebrew word Elohim, which is a plural word for God. But the thing is, God makes it very clear, God makes it very clear that there is one God. Uh, all throughout scriptures, he says, I alone am God and there is one God. But we also know from John 1, 1 through 5, that Jesus himself, the Son of God, was present at creation. We also know from Genesis 1, 2, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so when we start to look at the whole of scriptures and we see what it's saying, there's something very profound happening here. And that is this, God is a relational God. You see, God is in relationship with himself through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what you and I know as the Trinity. Now, why that's important is because if we are created in the image of God, we have to know that this longing to belong that you and I have, whether we even believe in God or not, it is there because as we said earlier, in all societies, in all times, we've, we've had this need to connect with one another. It, even, it doesn't even matter if you're, if you're shy and quiet, you still want to belong. And so that's something that each of us have because that's who God is. And if we're created in God's image, we have to know this right up front that that's how God works. He is in relationship with himself, and out of an overflow of that, he wants a relationship with you and I. And so he created you and I for a relationship with him and one another. So thinking about the Trinity, there's, there's a lot that could, that could be said, and we won't spend a lot of time here, but the Trinity, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is, is really amazing. What the scriptures make clear is there's one God. That, what that means is there are not three separate gods, Father, Son, and Spirit. There are not three gods, nor is God just one God cut into thirds and there's Father, Son, and Spirit as if that's a third of a pie. No, in fact, this is more like it. Three times one equals one. Three times one equals one. It makes for terrible math but great theology. And it's important that we know this up front because God's a relational God and that's how he created you and I to be. The other thing that we wanna take away from this is that you and I, because we're created in the image of God, you and I matter. In fact, everyone matters, including you. Now, no matter where you're at right now, I, I need you to hear this. Uh, we're going through tough times and I need you to know this. You matter to God. I don't care where you are, what you've been through, what you're going through now. You need to know you are created in the image of God and you matter to God. In fact, everybody you've ever met in your whole life matters to God. 
And as the image bearers of God, we are here to reflect the light of God wherever we are. And to do otherwise would be to devalue other people. And that is exactly what God does not call us to. Now, since everybody's created in the image of God, it means no matter what you look like or, or where you've been, or even if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you are still created in the image of God and you matter. I'm sorry, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. There's three of us in South Dakota. I just had to get one in. Um, but everybody matters. But, but when we devalue other people, which is what we often do these days, we, we find ways to divide rather than connect and unite. Um, but when we do that, um, we'll certainly have division, but we need to know at a bare minimum, everybody you come in contact with matters. There's a great quote by author Anne Lamott that goes, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. Now let that sink in. In this day and age, uh, when we're supposed to divide over our differences, and we all have them, but do you hate other people? Do you think less than other people? Because here's the truth. You and I are created in the image of God and we all have value, worth, and potential. And so not only do we have this uh, longing to belong, but it's so important that you know that every life is significant. Now, as we continue on this creation account, uh, God is creating everything and he says it's good. And in Genesis 2, God does something. He pumps the brakes and he says, whoa, that's not good. That's not good. Now, God didn't make a mistake. He's doing this for you and I. He's doing this to teach us something. And what he's teaching us is this. And we're going to go to Genesis 2:18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It is not good to be alone. The thing that you and I are struggling with most these days is one of the, the biggest challenges um, that God says was not good. In fact, it's the very first thing God said was not good, was that you and I would be alone. Now, loneliness is becoming an epidemic in our country today. In fact, in the January of 2020, uh, the healthcare provider Cigna, along with UCLA, uh, released a study called the Loneliness Index. And in, these, in this study, uh, some findings were found, and here, here's a few of them that, that really, uh, I guess, uh, stuck out to me. Three in five adults say they're lonely. That means the majority of us are lonely. In fact, for, that's a seven percentage points uh, increase from their study in 2018. Students are more likely than seniors to be lonely. And that just breaks my heart, that the next generation feels lonelier than the greatest generation. Third, there's a strong link between loneliness and a lack of significance. And so far, what we've learned from the creation account from the very beginning of the scriptures is that we are all significant and God doesn't want us to be alone. You can see how this rising cultural issue that we have right now is in conflict with how God created you and I to be. And this was pre-pandemic. I can only imagine uh, what the data would prove now. And so what I know is even though you and I may 
get that we're made for relationships. Are we really living this out? Isolation is not a good thing. It has negative consequences. There's a great quote uh, from author Don Miller. Uh, Donald Miller, I love this quote. The most difficult lie I ever had to contend with is this. Life is a story about me. Now I can relate. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, I actually had quite a wild imagination and this probably had to do with watching too much television. So sometimes I would go through life uh, pretending I had a studio audience and I, I was the central character and people would laugh whenever I trip or they'd cry whenever I was sad and, and that somehow, some way I was performing for other people. Uh, Quite frankly, because of all that television I watched, I can tell you that the A-Team was on Tuesday nights growing up, that Miami Vice was on Friday nights, and I had a date every Saturday night with the Golden Girls. And in fact, I, I still do, they're awesome. Um, but here's the deal, I also had a thing for family sitcoms, you know, like um, Growing Pains or Full House and, and those kind of shows because they were full of joy and belonging and the occasional spilled milk that never quite made its way over the table. You see, that, that wasn't the story I was living. Uh, now, all of us have a story, I recognize that, but I'm gonna share a little bit of mine with you um, just because I, I think it's important uh, that I open up and share where I come from. Uh, you see, uh, I am the product of uh, two teenage parents. And, and my parents split early on in my life and uh, we lived in West Texas and my dad uh, moved away, uh, eventually relocating to South Dakota and I remained in Texas for the first 11 years of my life. During that time, uh, I lived in extreme poverty. And in fact, I, I saw and experienced things that most kids should not. And I know I'm not the only one, there are many of you uh, listening today, you have your stories. You know that there are things that you and I have experienced that you don't want your own kids to experience. But sadly, I, I had to. Now, um, in my uh, whole grade school career, kindergarten through sixth grade, I changed elementary schools 12 times. That, and I, as you can imagine, that made it very difficult to make friends. And so on the first day of school, you know, Many of us would come with the lunchbox that I had mentioned earlier, and we walked to school, but I didn't, I couldn't afford a lunchbox. You know, we didn't have much. So for me, I recall uh, one particular first day of school where I brought my lunch in one of these. This is an empty Cool Whip bowl. And I think the one I brought my lunch in was stained with spaghetti sauce and things like that, because we would reuse these bowls, that's what you did. and. Uh, I always joke that we would wash our paper plates and hang them on the clothesline to dry, but it wasn't quite that bad. Um, but I would stick my peanut butter and jelly sandwich in here, maybe a block of government cheese, seal it up, put it in my bag, and I'd have my lunch for that day. Eventually, I'd had free lunch in the cafeteria. But this, as you can imagine, this is not a way that you build connection with kids in school. It's hard to uh, bond over a Cool Whip bowl. Now, if it had Cool Whip, I probably would have been the coolest kid in school, but in fact, uh, I was not. So. So growing up, it was difficult for me to make friends and it made me feel more isolated and alone. Not only that, my family situation was tough. Um, I ended up having to really fend for myself and be responsible for, for my brother and become self-reliant. And I had this feeling that nobody cared about me. And eventually I built up kind of these calluses where I felt like I didn't need anybody. 
So going back and forth between saying, I don't matter, I don't need anybody, uh, is kind of confusing for a little kid. But I'll tell you this, for me, everything changed at age 11. And through a series of events, uh, I was able to move to South Dakota and live with my dad and my mom up here. My dad had remarried uh, to my stepmom, who's my mom, and uh, we didn't have much, but we had love and belonging and acceptance. And uh, I even had to do uh, the chores all the time, even dishes after dinner. Uh, you know, the idea that I finally had this family uh, that would love me for who I was had a profound impact on my life. I went from kind of having to fend for myself to belonging. And so I discovered things about myself. I lived in the same house from the sixth grade until I graduated high school. And we didn't have much. We were a working class family. My dad laid carpet. My mom stayed home, but we had love. And I got to tell you, I learned that I had a sense of humor and that I could play sports and, and that I could just have fun and be and not have the weight of the world on my shoulders. And, and I'm so, so grateful because of the love of my parents and the fact that I was able to finally belong. Uh, I was able to become who God designed me to be. Now, I'm very blessed. Uh, even in my early childhood in, in West Texas, I had grandparents and other family members who loved and cared for me. You know, unfortunately, it was just a tough situation. And so I'm blessed, though, because I was able to cross the tracks in a way and go to a, a family that was there all the time, every day. And the impact that made on my life was huge. And I get, here's the lesson I learned from that. When we don't belong, we won't fully become. That's why this matters. That's why belonging and connecting with other people matters because for you and I to be who we're supposed to be, we have to belong in order to become. But we have an enemy and that enemy is isolation. It is the enemy of how God has created us and robs us of who we're meant to be. The scriptures make it very clear, Proverbs 18.1, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Now, there's several things that we learn from this verse. First of all, to make the most of our lives, uh, we live in community, right? We don't isolate one another. If we do, we fall victim. We fall into some traps. And isolation leads down one of two roads. It either leads down to despair or pride. Despair, what's the point? I don't matter. No one cares about me. I've been there. I'm sure many of you have as well, or you, at least you know people who have. It could also lead to pride. I'm the point. It's all about me. I don't need anyone. And unfortunately, out of self-preservation, I've been there too. The fact of the matter is this, loneliness is antithetical to how God created us to be because it leads us down these roads. But God has a better way through Jesus. And Jesus teaches us this. John 15, 12 through 14. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And his command is to love each other. Now here's the deal, in Jesus' crucifixion, in his crucifixion, Jesus paid it all. In his resurrection, he conquered all, and his command to us now is to love all. 
Yeah, he, Jesus, with, this, with these words in this passage, is taking aim at isolation, taking aim at despair, taking aim at pride and saying, there's a better way and I command you to a better way. I, ha- I love you. And because you're my friend, not only do you belong at my table, the King Jesus says you have a seat at my table, but he says, I have a better way for you. And Jesus says, here's how you fight despair and here's how you fight pride. You fight despair with purpose. You love each other. When you love each other, you're fulfilling your purpose. You wanna know what you're supposed to do in life? Start with loving each other. You're never gonna screw up your life doing that, I guarantee it. And also, fight pride with sacrifice, laying down one's life. Now, Jesus died for us, but he also taught us to live, and he wants us to fully live. And here's the deal, I remember uh, a buddy of mine, he and I had lunch at Qdoba, we were talking about the first year of his marriage. And he was going on about the things that, that all early married couples learn, who does the chores, things that annoy you. Also, you're in the honeymoon phase, so everything's also great, and ah, la, 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 you know. Uh, but he got to this point, he was telling me, he goes, man, we're, we're having a hard time figuring out who makes the bed. And it's becoming an issue because I don't wanna make the bed, she doesn't wanna make the bed. And so now the bed just doesn't get made. And so now we kind of are annoyed with each other about that. And I kind of chuckled because this is something we've all been through. And I said, you know, would you be willing to die for your wife? Would you take a bullet for her? He's like, absolutely. I know, that's what we do for the people we love. We're willing to die for them. But interestingly enough, I said, but would you be willing to make the bed for her? You're willing to die for her, but would you live for her? Of course, he thought about it just as I have thought about it with other chores around my house or things my, life, my wife would like me to do. And just to say this, it's, it's funny that we're so quick to die for somebody, but will we live for them? Will we make a tiny little sacrifice in order to show them that we love them? You see, love requires proof and proof is in sacrifices. Sometimes they're massive and big and sometimes they're itty bitty but there's still a sacrifice. But Jesus teaches us this. As we've learned today, we were born to belong. When we don't belong, we won't fully become. We were also made to love, and when we don't love, we won't fully live. And that's what Jesus wants us to do, is Jesus wants us to win. He wants us to win in life. He wants us to win uh, the battle against despair. He wants us to win the battle against pride. And how do we do that? How do we win that battle? Uh, I'm remembering this story of basic training in the Air Force. If you're in the military, you understand, you remember those days. You, you swore an oath, you got your head shaved, and the first like week of basic training is awful. <laughs> it is terrible, it's like hell week. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, you're, you're screwing everything up. And so what we were learning was they were asking us to have our beds made, have our uh, clothes neatly folded, have our boots shined, have uh, our person in order and be downstairs in formation within five minutes and, and without any issues. You know, there's, the military is putting all these kind of unreasonable demands on us. And so it, the Reveille would play at 5 a.m. If you don't know what Reveille is, it's that 
you know, that, that, that thing. I, I remember it to this day. In fact, I can still remember the speaker clicking before Reveille played. That's how we knew to get up and get going. But we could not get downstairs within five minutes and have all that stuff done. But what the military was teaching us was we couldn't do it on our own. That if we were gonna do this, it was gonna take all of us coming together. And so one thing I, I did was I had this idea. I was really good at folding underwear. Like you have to fold underwear in these perfect squares. And that's what I would do, I'd fold it on the per perfect squares. But someone else was really good at shining boots and another at making beds. And we discovered let's, let's group everybody to do what they're awesome at. And if they do, maybe we can have our affairs in order, come up with a game plan and make sure that we are hitting our targets. And that's exactly what we did. And that was the lesson that we learned, that we could not get through it alone. We had to do it together because that's how we survive, because in the battlefield, that's how you do it. Well, the scriptures uh, make this very clear. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, we learn two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. So here's what I'm gonna ask for you and I. We're better together. I've seen some beautiful expressions during this time in our community that shows the image of God in, in, in just full display, like the B-1s from Ellsworth Air Force Base flying over Rapid City uh, in support of first responders, hearts and teddy bears in windows and houses, uh, teachers driving through neighborhoods in parades, citizens buying gift cards to restaurants, and Fountain Springers stepping up to serve. Those are beautiful and awesome expressions of love. And they show that you and I belong together, that we can get through this together because we're in tough times. I believe we're probably still going to have some tough times and it's gonna require us. It's gonna require us to be a community with one another. So I have a challenge to you and I. Love requires sacrifice. So whether big or small, I'm gonna ask you to sacrifice for family, for friends and for your community. And listen, if you don't know where to belong, you have a church to belong to. The church is the family of the forgiven and you belong here. But I'm gonna ask you not only to belong, but to love because that's what we're made for. Jesus tells us, and we're gonna end with this. We were born to belong so we could fully become. We were made to love so we could fully live all because of who God is and what he has done for us. Um, that's my challenge to you and I I thank God so much that today I have friends, I have a family, I have a purpose, and so do you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for what you're doing in and through us during this time. Thank you that you designed us for relationships, that you gave us this intrinsic need to belong. And God, I pray that each and every one of my friends listening today will belong to family, to, to friends. I mean, to have a friend, you gotta be a friend. God, help us to be friends and help us to have a community to connect to. And thank you for even the larger purpose as well of uh, being good news and a good force for good uh, in our communities because that's what we need more than ever. God, we love you. We thank you. We give you this day and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Have a great day.